Each man with a smile on his face and a knife up his sleeve. Welcome, one and all, to episode three of Fusebox. My name is Mark Rose, and this is Biting the Hand. Now, I'll tell you right out of the box, so to speak, that uh, those of you who are observant, and may I say also very stylish, that you may have noticed that the title of this particular episode has changed, because what I said last week was it was going to be Twisted Epiphanies. Well, it, we're going to get to that. I, I realized as I was uh, compiling that program that I really do want to have a couple of people who are actually um, very instrumental in, in some of the work that's being done in there be guests on the show, and their schedules are a little tenuous. And so we're trying to pull all that together. So it'll probably be next week before we get to that. And that way I just bumped up this one and all that kind of stuff. And you know how it goes. First, and I don't I don't mean to start the program off on a downer or anything. Oh no. No, no, no. Don't tell them that story. No, no, really. I think they Man, that's private. Okay? I know cuz I know how you are about that stuff. But uh let me just clear this out right now. Milt, uh engineer Milt over there. Milt had the um, misfortune of having a, a, a medical emergency a couple of days ago. And, uh, well, we're just frank, frankly happy that you're back and everything's fine and, you know, it's not a problem. But it was a little unexpected and for many moments there, it was a little harrowing. So Harrowing for me too, buddy. So if you don't mind. Yeah, I, yeah, I know that. But, but I think the listenership would be interested in this because you showed incredible courage during this i thought okay sorry and i just thought that's worthy of uh mentioning that's that's purely my my motivation man really it really is we have um what do they call that security cams yeah right well we have several of those around here because it's just easier to keep track of things and ladies and gentlemen that's the world we're in right now okay all right so i sent milk downstairs uh, in, into what's known as the mic vault to grab a vintage Wawa pedal for me that I was using in this particular track I was doing. And I knew I hadn't used this thing in years and I knew this is this thing, this has got to sound. So I'm going to, you know, if you wouldn't mind going down there and yeah, fine, whatever. He was fine with it. Hindsight is 20 fracking 20. Well, you were fine with it. So what we have here, you cannot see it because it's a it's a camera feed, 
But what you'll be able to hear what's going on pretty clearly, and uh, I don't want to belabor this, but I mean, it was really, it was rather harrowing there for a minute. We we uh, we thought, you know, I don't know. We thought we lost you. I I don't know. Uh, no such luck. Whatever. So let me just set this up. It's it's Milt going downstairs into the mic vault, and he's he's searching for this uh, for this uh, Wawa pedal. So go ahead and go ahead and roll that. So like what? Are... You said it was in the mic locker? Yeah. You know, it's like towards the back. I just saw it the other day. I don't know, man. I, I, don't, I don't see any. Are you sure, man? Because it... Oh, jeez. <laughs> Now, I just think that is deserving of uh, the blue heart for hazard duty. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what you don't understand, folks, is that Milt was attacked by Japanese pocket squirrels. That's right. Now, these are are rather exotic animals, but they find their way in sometimes, particularly out here in the Northwest. They find their way in. And, uh, you know, they just kind of commandeer the area and uh, hide pretty much until you get somewhere near them or they sense that you're threatening them in some way. And uh, then they just go after you, as is the case there with Milt. And so, uh, like I said, man, we're just, we're happy you're all in one piece. So, uh, yeah, we'll be back in a second. Naked and chained to the radiator by his cruel dominatrix, Ken passed the time by singing patriotic songs. I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. A Yankee Doodle Do or Die. I have a nephew of my Uncle Sam. Born on the 4th of July. All righty. Well, you know, um, there's a couple of things I'd like to mention before we get on with the festivities here. Just some show observations over the last week or so that uh, I found fascinating. I just wanted to mention about the Overnightscape Central from uh, a little while ago that was, because I'm not sure exactly where this will fall. PQ River did a program uh, centering around the impressions of Robert Crumb. And uh, I found that fascinating, I find the, especially the divergence of opinion about this gentleman who is uh, an extraordinary talent. And one of the things I, I think was really true, and I, Frank Nora from the Overnightscape brought this up, which was it kind of depends upon where you meet this guy. Where do you come in understanding what he's all about? Uh, if you're like me and, and sounds like PQ, we were kind of at that impressionable age when we, we came across him. And so he sort of informed our whole future <laughs> for good or bad, but he did. And uh, if you're coming into that guy kind of later and what you find are the like uh, the, the one panel things or the sort of nonlinear stuff, that's probably not the best way to begin with him. And, and I would agree with PQ is that maybe what you need to do is look at some of the weirdos, uh, even Motor City Comics, id, and maybe uh, despair would be fun places to start to give a little better idea of the insightfulness this guy actually has because he's uh yeah he's he's worth uh he's worth looking at uh, a little deeper so um so uh, yeah it was it was 
great to hear about that. I also want to mention uh, a couple of things. First of all, if you've not heard Bob Lament's morning commute, uh, you should. But I think Bob has one of the greatest openings ever. Hey, everybody, it's Bob. I love that. That's musical to me. He does it all the time, and he does it perfectly, just like that. I love that open. But Bob said something the other day, and I don't know that he even knew he said it. (laughs) It's phenomenal wisdom, Bob. Amazing. He said, and he's, his, his, this was a show from, I, I think, earlier in, in the week as it is right now, as I record this. He was talking about hierarchies, but he kind of cross-referenced that with uh, bureaucracy. And he said, Bureaucracy. It's a fancy word for not getting stuff done. <laughs> it's, just, it's like, oh, yeah. You know, I, I just, it just to me, that rang like a cathedral bell. That is just absolutely poignant beyond uh, human imagination. It's absolutely true. We should do T-shirts, I'm telling you. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that. There's something comforting about listening to his program, especially, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone. I listen to most of this stuff at night, right? You know, end of day. And uh, so when someone's going to work, it's like an adventure that you're taking, and hopefully it was a good day for you because <laughs> we're all relaxing here. You know, we're chilling out now. It's over. It's, so that's kind of an interesting dichotomy of time and space, but uh, it's a great show. So if you haven't checked out Bob's uh, morning commute, uh, do so. And uh, another little uh, piece of news of note, certainly not the least, I guess it's not a secret anymore, uh, <laughs> nor that it was supposed to be, that there's some interest on this side of the pond to do um, a revival of Vic and Sade. And again, if you're coming into this going, Vic and who? I would point you in one way to Jimbo's blog called The Crazy World of Vic and Sade. And uh, at what address, my friend? Vic and Sade. Dot blogspot.com. Thank you. Because there is probably the greatest archive and background information and curated collection of this program that you will ever find. And uh, all I can say about it is you got to give it a couple of beats. It, it was way ahead of itself, this program, which sounds like it ran for two, two and a half decades in some way or another. I've been kind of enamored with this thing ever since I figured out what the joke was. And now what I'm kind of wanting to do is uh, put together a cast of, of folks that I work with out here to to do one. And I think we've got a candidate. Uh, Jimbo was good enough to point me in the direction of some uh, unproduced material. These are scripts that were never made into the radio programs back in the day. And they are all public domain. And so, yeehaw! We're going after it, and I'm uh, talking with some folks right now, and I hope to have some little more solid news in the next couple of weeks as to what we're doing and how that's going to come about. But trust me, it's going to come about. And also in the collaboration department, I had a delightful chat with uh, PQ River the other day via Skype, or was that Hangouts? Yes, I guess it was Hangouts. We've been tossing it around, and I think it would just be fun to get Frank and PQ and myself together in one space, and uh, whether that be cyberspace or wherever it is, and uh, just ramble a little bit, see where that goes. Everybody there has 
a, a rich quarry to mine from. So I think it would be fun to see what would happen with that. Or, you know, the whole thing will explode and that'll be that. But I think that might be some fun material. So we're definitely going to be working on that. So the title of this particular show is Biting the Hand, and the reason I called it that is I'm going to be featuring material on this one that we've produced over the years, uh, specifically for the Area 51 show, which, by the way, I didn't mention, but you're going to learn in a minute anyway. The Area 51 show began actually as terrestrial radio. It actually was a show on AM radio for a while, and as my friend Douglas Scott uh, will explain here, it uh, it had its ups and downs. Do you recall the, the genesis of the very first Area 51 program? I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there was a guy named Tom. Was he Tom? Was that the guy? Short, stocky guy with reddish hair? Yeah. Yeah, and, and he was doing a, a radio show, a thing syndicated via satellite. But there was like a 30-minute block every week that he had open. And he asked if we wanted to use it. And I guess he was using your studio to produce his show. And we said yes and started producing something. And somewhere in the mix of all that, the idea of calling it Area 51 came up. And there was a time actually where I I was there uh, somehow alone, which was never a good thing. Me alone at the studio was never a never a good idea. Um, and, no. <laughs> no and uh, and I was alone, and and everything was all set up and ready to go. And all I needed to do was uh, carry the. The time, I, I, and it really, all it was that night was I was just talking. There was nothing really prepared. I think it might have been among our first ones. Yes, was as we were birthing it, and so I'm there. It's a Saturday, and I'm jawboning at the audience about nothing in particular. And I went on break, and when I went on break, I, uh, I smoked a cigarette. Went out to smoke. I used to be a smoker, and I locked myself out of the building. <laughs> and right. it's time to come back, uh, and I couldn't get back in. So I'm running around that old office building, doing circles around that office building, trying to find my way in. And I see that uh, that really short Coke bottle glasses security guard that used to walk his German shepherds around the building. Um, and uh, very strange energy uh, that came off that guy. And um, he let me in. And I, I go inside and I pick up the headphones and I hear a guy saying, dead air. We got dead air here. Dead air. Does anybody hear me? It's dead. Dead air, dead air, dead air, dead air, dead air, dead air, dead air. So I've uh, I've kind of reconnected with uh, with Douglas, and we're going to be doing some more material. So that's no question about it. Uh, certainly for this particular program, and I think uh, it will be fun. Um, time has passed, and perspectives have certainly changed about things. But uh, I think we'll have we'll have some cool stuff to offer. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to bringing him on the show as well. Some of the excerpts you, you, you will hear on this program are from an earlier show that we did a couple of years ago for a station out here called KZME. And we had a, a program called Society of the Inner Ear. And that was a, an excerpt from one of those shows. What it's all leading to here is basically the idea that we, as I mentioned in the last show, 
we have kind of been walking on eggshells for a long time about stuff. And I and again, I, I realize the boundaries of, of some of that. But nonetheless, we should be living in civilized times. Civilized times. Where we can, you know, get the joke. I doubt very much that this audience has any problem with it. But as we rack that focus back and we get a little larger idea of what's going on out there, we see why entertainment is becoming as homogenized as it is, and it's being very targeted. So we're attempting to sort of redress that. And by examples, just doing some stuff here today that um, not necessarily, and I think this is important to bring out, not necessarily because the language was provocative, because none of this stuff has that. It's the idea that's provocative. And that's the thing that scares more people more often than your language. So, yes, that's right. Whole civilizations have fallen down as a result of that. So let's, uh, let's take a bit of a stroll down memory lane here and uh, listen to this. Journalism is more than words. It's also images. Images that shock, that enlighten, or that stir us to action. You may often wonder who's behind the lens that captures those images. Our own Don Fizzle reports from the field with one man that's circling the globe in search of a perfect moment. Here, on the hot sands of the Sudan, where there's been no food or water for perhaps 20 or 30 years, award-winning documentary photographer Benny Lazar plies his trade. I walk along and I am the camera, hunting for the next world-class image, the next magazine cover, Pulitzer Prize. Pretzel? No, thank you. Ah. Words of experience, guy. Gotta eat out here. Seeing all the starvation will make you hungry. Uh, That's okay. Fine. More for me. When Lazar spots his potential shot, he pounces. Oh, yeah. See the kid? Over there, next to the vultures. Oh, yeah. Jackpot. We got the distended belly, no clothes, pitifully tiny, and the kid's about to fall face down, maybe dead. Great shot. But but the vultures... Oh, yeah, they hover. When there's a possibility of a, you know, a... Shouldn't we help? What? Ever hear of the Prime Directive? We don't interfere with their deal, man. Isn't, isn't that from Star Trek? Exactly. And we'd blow a huge opportunity. But it's probably a three-year-old child. You betcha. Front page and cover stuff, baby. Just wish the little bastard would hurry up and... And what? Hey, do me a favor, ma'am. What? Kick the kid. Are you insane? Kick the kid. Just once, man. He'll go down. No. Come on, man. Time is money. Let's go. You're out of your mind. Just kick the kid, man. He's gonna die anyway. But but if I... Want a piece of a Pulitzer? Piece of a Pulitzer, baby. I'll call you my assistant. Hmm. Well... I always have wanted a Pulitzer. (laughs) 
Yeah, baby. Who's the king of the jungle? You are, baby. And what does the king of the jungle wear? Dead people. Bye. Jejun. And what's dead people cologne made of? The hormone that the human body releases just as it realizes that it's going to die a horrible, violent death. And how's it work, kitten? It triggers an ancient evolutionary response that makes anyone who's within 100 feet of you run for their lives, screaming like little girls. But why aren't you running, kitten? Silly. Beautiful women don't run from a dead people man. We're the exception. We respond to dead people by falling to our knees before you, offering up our nubile bodies as sacrifices on the altar of your dark scepter. But wait a minute, kitten. What about me? Shouldn't I be running for myself if I'm wearing dead people? No, of course not. Dead people cologne turns the person who wears it into a violent sociopath who's turned on by the smell. It crosses his neurological wires, so... So that the smell of death becomes a turn-on. Continue. Uh, I don't want to talk anymore. Sure you do, kitten. No. No. You would defy me, king of the dark jungle underworld. No. No. Dead people. Bajajun. It's just gags that were that were uh, really really fun to write. Uh, Dead people by Jejun was a blast, and it was when it was when the show was maturing in some ways. There was there were some cool things starting to happen. There were things that had had more transitions built into them, and more sort of bud edits, more just completely mindless, strange, analogous transitions, which I'm very fond of. Things that don't fit or make any kind of sense at all, which are very in line with. Uh, in the fire sign vein, just completely nonsensical, you know, jaunts and or Monty Python for that matter. I guess it's just it seems to be endemic in, in stuff that's that that I that I enjoy that I relate to. So like this guy's a registered voter. Oh hell yes, he's got the family, you know, the dog and the kids and all that. Yeah, he's uh, he's very well adjusted as long as he keeps writing. We have such sights to show you. Yes, we have many, many to show you. Uh, One of them involving a public service announcement for a very serious and embarrassing medical condition. Oh, great game, huh, Bill? I'll say. Let's let's hurry up before halftime is finished. No problem. (laughs) I just got to get rid of some of this beer. I heard that. Come on, Jim. Uh, sure, yeah, I'm ready. Jim, I, I don't mean to pry, but nothing seemed to happen back there. You, you noticed. I'm sorry. I've got shy kidneys. If people are around, I just can't go. Don't be embarrassed, Jim. I only asked because I understand. I used to be like you. Really? What happened? You sure don't seem to have a problem now. What happened? Urinol happened. Urinol? What's that? Urinol is a patented PRI, pistatonin reuptake inhibitor. When you're nervous, your brain consumes all its pistatonin, the hormone that allows you to urinate freely. Urinol floods your brain with pistatonin, releasing your inhibition and your sphincter, allowing you to pee freely and with confidence anytime and anywhere you'd like. That sounds great. It is great. 
Just ask your doctor if urinol is right for you. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> I will. Hey, Jim. Great party, huh? You said it. The boss has really pulled out all the stops. This spread must have cost him a fortune. Here, I grabbed a beer for you. Let's go outside. I think the boss is firing up the grill. Thanks. Okay, people. <laughs> I hope everybody brought their appetites. I I'm going to light this grill and start cooking the fillet. Darling, I don't think you need so much lighter fluid. Karen, please. I I've been grilling since I was a kid. Oh, oh my god. god. I've got it, boss. <laughs> there you go, boss. Though you might need to restart that, I think I accidentally put it out. McManus, I want you out of your office first thing Monday morning. G but... No buts, mister. Just do it. As our new VP... You're moving into the corner office. The one next to yours? Yep. <laughs> I don't know how to thank you, Jim. Don't thank me, boss. Thank urinal. <laughs> hey, mommy, why did Daddy just pee on that man's grill? Because he can, Jimmy. <laughs> because he can. Urinal. The world is your bathroom. These results may not be typical. Urinol is not an FDA-approved medication. Ask your doctor if urinol is right for you. Most common side effects are dry mouth, stomach ache, numbness in the extremities, night incontinence, testicular enlargement, rapid hair loss, manic rage, and the condition known as sausage fingers. <laughs> Douglas Scott and um, a gentleman also heard on the Dead People by Jejun spot. That was David Sudar. And uh, I hope to have him as a guest soon as well. He's a really bright guy. He wrote the urinal spot and uh, is also playing the guy with the unfortunate affliction. So, uh, <laughs> there's, there's that. I, is it just me? Probably not. Have you ever had that sort of rotten experience with customer service? Of course you haven't. No one has ever had that. It's a great day at AFCO Woodchippers. Thank you for holding. How can I help you? Yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've got my arm stuck, uh, in this, uh, well, wood chipper. Customer ID number? Uh, I can't. It's, it's, in, it's in my house. It's in my arm. I'll need your customer ID number, sir. Name, please? Uh, Ted, Ted Welch. Spelling? Ted. Ted, T-E-D. Last name? Uh, Welch. Welch. What? That doesn't help me, sir. I need an accurate spelling. Uh, Oh, my... Look, I... Oh, oh my God. Oh. Need a last name spelling, sir. W-E-L-C-H. Last four digits of your social security number? F four, two, five, seven. I'm sorry, can I get that again? Yeah. F four, two, five, seven. I'm having trouble hearing you, sir. Could you turn that down? <laughs> There's not much time. And your correct mailing address? Yeah. Okay. 257 West 7th Avenue, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, uh, 33765. Thank you, sir. One moment, please. The emergency stop. It's, it's not... Now, what's the nature of your problem, sir? <laughs> My arm is caught in the... Ah, 
chipping mechanism here, and uh, emergency stop button won't. Ooh. I'll need to transfer you to technical support, sir. Please hold. No, 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 no. I thank you for holding. <gasps> Your call is very important to us. Your call will be answered in the order it was received. Your approximate wait time is 90 minutes. And that one featured the spot-on performance by Cynthia McGeehan as the customer service representative. Yeah, that just kind of captures it for me. Uh, you know, I, sometimes I wonder, when I ask folks to do this stuff, uh, and, you know, and tell them the premise of what we're doing here, why they still speak to me? I don't know. Yesterday, uh, Saturday, the 14th, I had uh, an opportunity to uh, do a recording with my uh, buddy Jeff Pollard, who, um, among other things, is a graphic designer and a voiceover talent and actor. And uh, he also uh, designed the, the new show art, the whole brand look for uh, Fusebox, as well as my company brand. He does that for a living. He's a, he's a brand kind of guy. And so uh, we had the opportunity to chat for a couple hours, and uh, I got some fun stuff. And uh, over the uh, ensuing episodes, I'll probably be excerpting a lot from what we talked about because we were all over the map. But it did settle at one point on this topic that we're addressing on this show, Biting the Hand, and uh, he had some really interesting things to say. And so, uh, as they say in Superman, let's listen. Biting the hand. Well, one of the things that comes to mind for me, though, is is an ancillary company that you and uh, an associate have have started. That, uh, by the way, there will be a link to that in this show notes. So just bless you, know, you. You bet. Uh, yeah, biting the hand. I, you know, to me, there are two types of creatives. There are critical thinkers, and there are order takers. And the world needs both. And sometimes. I, I'll will t- tell you just right up front. I freely admit this. I'm I'm the I'm the critical thinker. I'm not an order taker. And when you're not an order taker, that means that as often as not, you're going to bite the hand. <laughs> and sometimes the hand needs bitten. <laughs> yeah. It really does. You try not to burn bridges, but sometimes it's just that's all that's left is I'm gonna I'm not I'm not gonna just burn this bridge. I'm gonna nuke the son of a bitch and leave a ten mile smoking crater. <laughs> so it becomes a necessary thing. And I'm that guy. I'm I'm you know, I tend to be a hand biter. I don't go into every project with that idea, but that's just, you know, typically the way that it works out because I have opinions and I'm not afraid to express them. And if I disagree, I will say that I disagree, but I will also explain why I disagree. But so far, nothing has gotten into a fist fight yet. But yeah, biting the hand. My industry 
in you know graphic design advertising it's a lot of stress it's a lot of a lot of pressure there are a lot of order takers that drive it they they in turn want order takers to work for them and so my my buddy Bob and I decided to form our own thing because quite frankly we were getting to a point where well you know I'm about ready to open a vein and it may not be my vein <laughs> It may be somebody else's vein, mm-hmm. a client, a boss, a whatever. Uh, so, yeah, we formed Monkey Fist with the idea. I mean, if nothing else, it was just an opportunity to blow off steam. Yeah. You know, where there's there's no focus groups. There's no marketing people involved. This is just us doing shit that we think is fun, funny, cool, interesting, you know, and and maybe some other people might feel the same way. Absolutely, so, and know. and these are T-shirts that are <laughs> wonderful. Uh, I get like I said, there'll be a there'll be a link in the show notes to uh, Monkey Fist. But um, we have to walk a very careful balance. Um, you know, when dealing with clients and whatever. That's, exactly. That's the world we're in. But um, you know. Thankfully, the world we're in also permits us to generate our own steam and kind of create something for us, you know, maybe expressing our own internal stuff. Exactly. And I, quite frankly, I think to propel an industry forward or a cause, you have to be willing to rock a boat, bite a hand. Uh, otherwise, who's really running the show? <laughs> if, you know, if you're, if you're just doing... The same old, same old, you're just recycling the same old ideas, not even making an effort to look for a, a, a new angle on it, then everything becomes so diluted that it's it's beyond uninteresting. Yeah. It doesn't conjure up any, any thought. You know, I'm not saying be provocative for provocative sake, but... Yeah, I, I believe that to propel an industry, sometimes you've got to be willing to go in and, and rattle some cages and do something that's a little unexpected or even a little wrong, you know. Uh, especially as as, wrong. Especially yeah. wrong, yeah. We're really good at wrong. <laughs> um, but wrong with a cause, wrong that's relevant. I'm doing it wrong, quote unquote, because of these sets of reasons, you know, not just to cheese people off. I was uh, very fortunate to be part of a uh, photo shoot that uh, you and Bob had set <laughs> for the website, uh, which is not something I typically do, believe me. And this was amazing. The architecture and certainly the, well, the organization. I wonder who that was. Uh, and uh, just the way it, yeah, it was a really cool shoot and very wrong. That's all I can say. It's mm. extremely wrong. And evidenced by, if you go to that site, it's a monkey fist. it is monkeyfist.com, right? Monkey-fist.com. Yeah, yeah cool. Uh, if you go there, you'll, you'll see evidence of uh, at least one segment of that shoot. You know, we, we we mentioned this earlier on. It's sometimes it's not about the the language to be provocative. It's about the ideas, and I think the ideas are always the more powerful of the two. I had a, a an instructor uh, in art school. He was uh, a, a painter by trade, part of the the old Northwest school of painters. Uh, Wild Bill Cumming was his name. Fantastic artist 
really interesting cat. And I remember in class one day, he, he said, uh, with regard to painting and, and creating art, if you don't offend somebody, you're not doing your job. <laughs> I don't know that he fully set out to offend people 100% of the time, but mm-hmm. sometimes he absolutely did. And, yeah. you know, with some of the stuff we, we've done, audio-wise, Monkey Fist, some of the things I've designed, Kelly Baker's logo, yep. The Angry Filmmaker. There you go. Uh, you go into a project knowing that this is going to offend some people. There are people out there that are going to be really pissed off by this. They're really going to be bothered by it. And you know what? That's okay. If you're not trying to just blatantly piss off the entire population. Just to be, yeah. Yeah, just to be, just to cheese people off. I think it's inevitable, you know. And as a creative, if you haven't offended at least one person, then maybe you're not really trying. Well, you know, the other thing that, that's come up in this program was the notion that we've been having to walk on eggshells for quite a while. And uh, this is over the last, I'd say last decade, maybe. I remember the attitude that was, uh, or the atmosphere even, that was present when we were first doing the Area 51 show, even the AM version. We were pushing the envelope a little bit then, but the fact is that some of the stuff that we were doing then would not be looked at fondly now. Even a decade later, it would be right. a little irritating to people. Yeah. And I, it's not that, that that stuff was so ultra provocative. My point is I'm concerned about this sort of uh, sphincter tightening that's happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm really wondering if that's not affecting the overall arc of entertainment and stuff that's happening out there. Oh, well, I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, and I'm, begin, I'm glad you brought this up because I'm beginning to see it swing the other way. I remember when uh, some of you out there might remember this, and I know you do, All in the Family, sitcom All in the Family, MASH, another one, another great show. There was a period of time not that long ago where you couldn't do those shows, you know, today. (laughs) That's right. You wouldn't be able to get Mm -hmm. away with that. But I think it's beginning to swing a little bit the other way. I think people are getting tired of being afraid and that homogenized, bland, generic, milquetoast, everything is starting to move aside. It's starting to be pushed aside a little bit. I and think. don't you think too that because there's this internet availability now, the Netflix has their own content development, Amazon has their own content development, there's this competition that's sort of squeezing the the network idea of what a program should be. It's it's getting so targeted to a specific audience. They're now being able to create programs specifically for mm-hmm. a target audience. Um, every once in a while, something will creep through in this country that seems to be trying to break free of that. And many times it's going to premiere on places like the HBO thing or maybe a Netflix or whatever. And that's putting pressure on this behemoth. Yeah, I, 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 I totally agree. And the, the risk, of course, is that you're, you're opening it up to people who are less talented and merely going in for the shock value. Well, to compete, we're going to have to come up with something that's even more 
shocking and appalling or provocative than this thing that is a big success. And that's your only reason. So it, mm-hmm. it's not genuine. It's not honest. Uh, it's not. It's not even relevant. You know, I, I think there are things that are that are out there that are being created with the sole purpose of let's see how many people we can piss off. Right. Well, that's easy. That's yeah. lazy. That's lazy creative. Anybody can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, we could be doing that right now. Right now. Yeah, and we're not, and and we're choosing not to. Uh, and hopefully by choosing not to, there are people out there that are still in, actually interested and still listening to what we're talking <laughs> yes, about right exactly. now. And you know, turned it off. But and, let me yeah. know if I need to drink faster That's so we can like, right. amp this up a little That's bit. Right. But yeah, I think, I think things like that, uh, regardless of the medium, I think that's just lazy, lazy creative. I don't think there's any room for that. I don't either. Uh, no. And, and, you know, I would, I would also agree that, uh, there are signs out there that there is a, there's a break in the clouds yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that there's going to be a potential. Radio in its present form is uh, undergoing further modification, as Frank Zappa would say. It is absolutely going to be something else. The, the idea that there are certain elements of our industry uh, or any industry that are vanishing because the, oh, yeah. the medium has changed, you know, and there's no longer a need for that. Um, and sadly, that's going to be radio and maybe television the way it is right now, because... Yeah, that's not always a good thing. No. That's not... And I'm... I don't like change. <laughs> I, I'll just say that right now. I, I, I'm not one who embraces change. I like things the way they are. Um, but change is necessary. And again like we were talking about earlier about rocking boats and biting the hand, I think you need to do those things to propel an industry forward and change is the same way. I think, like you said, there are things that are falling by the wayside that are sad. Newspapers, magazines, those things are, are, are going to be gone maybe even in our lifetime. And by gone, I mean gone, gone. Gone, gone. The traditional newspaper, magazine, books, uh, radio, yeah. There's such a limit, you know, entertainment dollar-wise, that there's this mad scramble, and I think that's what's creating the, you know, the idea of being provocative for no other reason than to just try to line pockets. And we covered a whole lot more stuff, but uh, time is creeping up on us here, so I want to kind of wrap this up and uh, just say again thank you for pushing play on this particular episode it's always fun to do these shows and I'm looking forward to uh, creating new material as we go along here and I, as I mentioned before I think um, I, I actually have some willing participants or maybe victims, I don't know what but whatever it'll be, it'll be very fun to do and I look forward to the next edition. So until our next cartoon...